Welcome to 15 Minutes of Mental Toughness with your host, Dr. Rob Bell. Dr. Rob interviews expert coaches, executives, and athletes about mental toughness and their hinge moments. The hinge. It connects who we are with who we've become, and it only takes one. And now for your host, Dr. Rob. As I was recovering, I was reprogramming, re-strengthening that lobe of my brain, that area of my brain that had been damaged. So, you know, it was about nutrition, it was about recovery, it was about hydration, it was about the supplements that I was using. Everything that I, I, that I could do to help myself rehab and, and become better from that incident. And when I started working with the Adaptive Training Foundation and we created the mindset side of our program, I began to journal a lot, I began to write a lot for these guys and for myself as well. And I don't know why, but I was writing about this instance, this instant, and it, then it just came to me. And I mentioned to you earlier that I was in my truck. I was going to drive home. Hey, this is Dr. Rob Bell. If you want a free ebook, the best mental toughness quotes that will make you better, just text Dr. Rob Bell, that's D-R-R-O-B-B-E-L-L, to this number. Three three four four four. You'll get a download right away. Are you one of nearly seven in ten Americans who doesn't feel fully rested when the alarm clock rings? Do you dread your mornings? Let's change that. Psalm Sleep is a drug-free, non-habit-forming sleep drink in a small can that can help save your nights from tossing and turning. Find out for yourself at getsom.com and stop dreading your alarm. Some sleep. It gives you Z's. So our guest today is the director of mindset at the Adaptive Training Foundation. So a Dallas-based nonprofit that leads disabled military veterans and civilians through a nine-week mental and physical training program called Redefine. He's the founder of Hunt and Prosper, a leadership and self-development company keynote speaker on fear and an expert in human behavior, mindset, and language. We both speak the same language, and if you want it, go get it, hunt for it. Uh, You can find our guest at hunt-prosper.com. I'm excited about today because we do speak the same language. Our guest is Coach Mo Brosick. Coach, how you doing, buddy? Good, good. How are you? I'm I'm solid, man. Thanks for joining us. I mean, l- I mean, let's get after it, man. Go Ruck events, right? The the standard, mm. it's Go Ruck selection, right? Forty eight plus hours, eighty plus miles. It's adopted from you know special forces selection. But walk us through that intensity and and how that how that plays out. Yeah, so that's what I'm training for this October, and I did an event called pre selection last December, and essentially it's an it's an homage to military, the military selection process, specifically uh, the Army Green Beret fitness or or selection process. And it's essentially 48 hours of them doing everything they can do possible to make you quit outside of touching you, (laughs) outside of putting hands on you. So it is, it's, it's mental and physical evolutions. And so, you know, they're, they look for weaknesses. They look for, and I was listening to a podcast with the, with the director, the founder, Jason, and he said, we can see it. So we can see it in your eyes. And we know when you're, we're about to break or you get weak. And the second we see that, then we attack. 
So they're looking for those, those moments. And it doesn't matter how strong you are physically. It matters how strong you are mentally. Because I've seen, and, and being a part of it, being a part of half of it during pre-selection, which is 24 plus hours, I saw some really strong individuals just crack and break. And it wasn't that they weren't physically ready, is that they weren't mentally ready for what they were going to get put through. Because you're hungry, you're exhausted, your body hurts, you've got blisters, you fail over and over and over again. And the way I, the way I describe pre-selection to, to people that ask, I say, Imagine the most physically demanding workout you've ever done in your entire life for 60 to 90 minutes that you did until absolute muscular failure, and then keep doing that for 24 hours. That's what it's about. Um, so with that, the mentality of it is, you know, and what, what you've done in ultra racing, what I've done in ultra racing and racing Ironman, it's like, if you're focused on the finish, you're never going to make it. You have to, there is literally no room for anything else, but what am I doing right now in this very second? And then do the next thing and the next thing and the next and let time go. It doesn't exist and the finish doesn't exist. The only thing that exists and matters is this moment right now. And once you allow yourself to get outside of that line and that lane, you're done. And I watched it and I, I see it. I, I saw them with guys standing next to me. You know, we, we did this one evolution is it's called deck of cards. And if you've ever done <laughs> most people are familiar with deck of cards, well, in this evolution, the cadre said, we're going to do deck of cards, but we're going to do it twice. So you're going to go through this entire deck two times. And this was at probably 1230 AM. We had been going since 1 PM that day, hadn't eaten yet. Um, and we did the deck of cards in one evolution. One of the cards was a clean and press for every for the, for the jack, you know, for the spades. One was uh, a sandbag or a swing with the, with, the, with the ruck. Another one was another type of press. So we had to do that over and over again. And he comes up to one of the guys next to me and he goes, hey, 43, because I call you by your roster number. Are you done with deck one yet? No, Cadre, I'm not. Stop. Just stop. You're not going to finish. There's no way. There's no way you have enough time, energy, or strength to do this. I'm watching you. I can tell you right now, you're, you're, you're not going to do it. And that guy, he goes, you know what? I think you're right. And he stops and just calls it. And I, I messaged him a couple months later. We were just talking. He said, you know, the second I quit, I knew it was a mistake and I knew what he was doing. So, you know, it's, it's that you, you in this process of training for selection, you have to remember that you have to be your best self advocate. There's no room. There's not a sliver of room for a negative thought or not thinking that you're going to finish it. And the, 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 the gentleman that helped me go through this program and get ready for pre-selection is a former armor ranger who was one of three guys that completed selection the year before. He said, listen, man, if you go into this thing thinking, hey, I'm going to see how I'm, I'm going I'm to do my best, you're not going to finish. <laughs> if you go into it thinking, I'm going to do it with my, I'm going to, I'm going to see how far I can go, you're not going to finish. You have to go into it knowing that there's no other option but completion. And, and so when you would see other people kind of break down, um, what would you see kind of happen then? Because, I mean, you give an example, right? They give them an out, and, and I think in life, right, like that's the problem. They give, you know, if I got an out, if you, if you tell me 10, chance of me doing 12, probably not, right? Mm -hmm. You know, but it, so if you give that out, I mean, a lot of times we take it. But what else do you see, man, about people that would, you know, not make it and, and quit? 
what I could gather. And I'll be honest with you. I didn't pay a lot of attention to it yeah, because right, there's no room for that either. Yeah. 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 Um, but there are times where you're, you're face to face with another person and you can just see it in their eyes. Um, and the cadre, they, they can sense the, the ones that are struggling and those are the ones they just hammer. And I learned this afterwards as well, listening to one of the podcasts. Um, he said, you know, if, if, if we see a guy or a girl that's doing well and they're strong and we see them just physically getting after it, we're going to kind of, we're going to leave them alone. Mm-hmm. And so what I did, I just got tunnel vision and I just focused on me and I could hear, but, and I would pick it up because the tendency as well. And this is where I feel a lot of people would make a mistake. If I hear them getting on somebody, you know, the, the tendency is like that, it's that pack mentality. I want to kind of look and see what they're doing, but that's wasting energy. So you, I was really just focused on me and doing my stuff and keeping my focus on what I had to do. However, when I did catch them because it was right next to me and it's so loud, you sure. know, you can just, it's that same thing where they just, it's that, that the mental beratement. And what I notice is it's the people that aren't, they're not, they're not equipped with mentally the ability to handle that type of constant beratement of you're not good enough. And listen, going into something like this, you have to understand that nothing you do is going to be right. Nothing you do is going to be good enough. You're never going to finish. So it's, it's that it's the false expectations that I believe that people step into events like that with that their I, b- I believe their mind says like, Oh, well, it's not going to be that bad. And it is going to be that bad and it's going to be worse. And you have to be ready for that. I'm always curious. Like it's, it's one thing to talk about these kinds of situations and mentality in a non-stressful environment, like on a podcast. Right. So, and, but when you are cold, wet, um, hungry and tired, what was like, where do you go in your mind to get to that place of you, you just keep moving? Yeah, I love that. It's it's like the analogy of watching someone summit Everest from your couch and thinking that's a good idea to do. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right, that's same, yeah exactly, man. In fed, yeah, yeah. It's like I'll <laughs> sing in the shower, man, buddy. I, that's I sound like Nat King Cole. You know what I mean? <laughs> Get on stage and do it, right? Um, you know, it's it's so great question. And my Achilles heel is cold. I mean, I'm like most people, I, I just don't like it. So what I've got to do, I've got to, I tell myself I like it and I don't let myself because, you know, and that's what they will do as well in the middle of the night when you're hungry, you're exhausted back in the water with your packs, full submersion burpees. And it's 45 degrees outside and the water is in the forties as well. You know, it's, it's, it's not telling yourself that it sucks. So you literally, I, you reprogram your thought process. How much, how much fun this is. I get to do this. I get to feel this. You know, with my work at the Adaptive Training Foundation, where I am right now, man, I, I work with, with amputees. They can't feel their legs. So when they start to cramp, so when my legs start to cramp, I literally go, yep, I'm thinking about Lawrence. I'm thinking about Kevin. I'm thinking about Brian Aft. Like, man, they would be dying right now to have legs to cramp. Or our quadriplegics, they can't feel anything from the chest down. Man, they would love to be feeling shivering cold right now. Is it easy to do that? Hell no. It still sucks. You know, it's not fun but I tell myself that it is. Um, and I learned that actually by through Dean Carnazes in reading his book, ultra marathon, man, because as a, as a triathlete, you know, swimming in the winter sucks. 
<laughs> when I used to race triathlon. So retelling myself how exhilarating it is to jump into cold water and it feels good. So with GORUCK, with selection, when I'm just beat down and you're ultra sensitive because you're so tired and exhausted and hungry, when you get into the water, it's, this is just a feeling. And that's what I tell myself. This is not good. This is not bad. It, it, is, it is what it is. So I don't label cold as this sucks or this feels good. I just tell myself, this is how it feels. You know, like when I'm, when I'm running, when I was running ultras, when you run ultras, it's the same thing. When you dive into that level of pain, you can't associate it with pain. You have to associate it with, this is simply a feeling. This is what it is. Next rep. This is just what it is. Next rep. And repeat that process. And understanding also, what I tell myself is, this is going to end. Yeah. They can't do this forever. At some point, I'm going to be warm. I'm going to be fed. I'm going to be, and I'm going to be looking back at this moment going, damn, I got through that. Don't stop. Yeah. And that's what I do. And I carry forward. Four great nuggets there, man. Perspective, shifting it to not labeling it um, and something that you get to do. And then, Mm -hmm. yeah, man, every workout ends. Every workout ends, man. I love that. Yeah. Impermanence. It will stop. Yep. Yep. (laughs) Man, how how badass are the Adaptive Training Foundation and those athletes you work with? Man, that's daily inspiration, you know, and, and we, we call our, our people athletes using the Bill Bowerman quote, that if you have a body and you move, you're an athlete. Some of the folks that come through our program, yes, they're in the military, they serve, they were veterans, they may have been athletes in the civilian life or civilians, but some of them aren't, you know, they are just normal people that have, they were hit, hit on their motorcycle. They suffered a spinal cord injury. They've had a stroke, but what they what they show in perseverance and grit and determination is something like I've never seen before in any other human, because a lot of these folks have seemingly insurmountable odds to overcome. They've had this issue. Say, you know, they, like one of our guys in this current class, he, he suffered a stroke in his spine, which made him paralyzed from the waist down. He has tone and he can move his legs, but the doctors tell him you will never walk again. Well, is it hard? Yes. He's overweight. He struggles. And I've got, we got videos of him through the course of this class, standing up and falling down, standing up and falling down, trying to use arm crutches, taking a step and falling on the ground. And when he does that, we don't run over and go, oh, Kwame, let's help you up. We're like, great fall, dude. Awesome job. Let's get back up and do it again. So, man, their grit and determination to live is an inspiration on a daily basis. We've got, we've got three athletes in this current class. I'm just looking out thinking that, that have started walking after being paralyzed. One of our athletes, her name is Val. She was shot in the back by her ex-husband, which left her paralyzed. She had use of one leg. And then on her wedding night of the second marriage, uh, because of the medications and, you know, having a good time on the wedding night, she fell asleep. 130 pound Rottweiler that she owned, bit her foot and literally ate her foot off. So now she's an amputee and a spinal cord injury and she came to us broken. And this was about a year ago, fast forward to where she is now in our program. She's now taking steps. She's now walking. She can stand on her own and do battle ropes. So her determination and her grit and strength is it's an inspiration on a daily basis. And when you see that, man, how, 
How does that touch your soul on, you know, your coaching, your influence and the things that you do? It's, you know, it's, it's gratifying. It's gratifying to know that, that I had a piece to do with this, not on the physical, but on the mental, helping them understand that, hey, listen, guys, and this is what we tell them. We're not here to save you. We're not doing anything that you aren't already capable of doing. All we're doing is showing you that prison door that you, you're so locked in is already open. All you have to do is push it. The possibility is already there. The strength and the medicine is already in you. You're everything you want. You're everything you need. Let us show you how to do this. And we're going to walk with you. We're going to fall with you. We're going to cry with you. Um, but it's, I mean, there, there are tears in this room, in this building often. Tears of joy and excitement. You know, when you, when you see like, you know, Kwame and the man, the man I mentioned earlier walked across the gym for the first time the other day on crutches and it took him literally 45 minutes to walk about 80 feet to ring the bell. And then the hug he gave me afterwards and he would not let go was something that I will never forget in my entire life. Just the, 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 it was an embrace of, of accomplishment, of gratitude, of, of thankfulness and appreciation that, you know, I mean, I, I mean, it's just, it's hard to describe, man. Mm -hmm. And it's things that we take for granted. Yeah. So with, with that note, coach, um, do they help you more than you help them? <laughs> I think so. Yeah, absolutely. What I gain out of this personally, you can't, you, you can't be taught. You can't experience anywhere. There's, there's not a place on this planet that you can experience this. So yeah. yeah, they teach me every day. They teach me to be humble. They teach me how to communicate. They teach me how to listen. They teach me how to lead. They teach me how to be led. Hey there, good looking. If you're digging this podcast and check out our book, Puke and Rally, it's not about the setback. It's about the comeback. Just go to pukeandrallybook.com. Now back to the show. One of the things that we you know, talk about obviously on this podcast, man, of the hinge moments, right? That, that one moment, one event, one person that makes all the difference in our lives. So you're obviously the hinge in a lot of these people's lives. What, what was one of your hinge moments in, in life thus far? One of my hinge moments was in 2004, um, being out with some friends at, here in Dallas at a club, got jumped getting in my truck and destroyed the left side of my face. This is all reconstructed, nose reconstructed. But because of that, some of my clients introduced me to um, their neurological chiropractor. His name's Dr. Peter Gillette, who helped me with craniosacral therapy to help with all the damage and the TBI from, uh, from getting hit. Um, and because of that, I really dove into studying holistic nutrition, integrative medicine. Then I really started studying and getting into what the brain can actually do into neuroscience, into meditation, into breath work, and into how the modalities of healing that can be administered by us from us. So that moment that when I look back at it initially, I was like, I can't believe this happened to me. Now I'm literally thankful. I'm, I'm so happy that that happened to me because it happened for me because without getting jumped that Thursday night down on lower Greenville Avenue here, I would literally not be doing what I'm doing today. So I love it. I love it, man. I mean, our, our worst yeah. moment ends up becoming our best moment. Yeah. Um, coach, I need you to unpack that a little bit more, man. Walk, walk me through 
that process and, and what, what took place and what that recovery was like? You know, uh, initially, I mean, it was embarrassing, <laughs> you know, um, we really were, we were, I was out with some, with my cousins that were in from out of town and I don't remember it. I mean, you know, we were, I was young, I was in my mid twenties. So sure. we were partying, drinking a whole bunch. I don't even remember going to my truck. Now, some of that could have been because of the TBI and concussion from getting hit repeatedly. Um, but apparently the, the, the valet, valet guy gave me my keys. I was in my truck going to drive home and that's when they jumped me. So the valet driver came back and found me in my truck bleeding all over the place and this whole side of my face was destroyed. Um, yeah, I wake up, I come to in the hospital in a neck collar with my mom and my sister over me. I'm like, oh, super. My mom just drove here three hours from Louisiana. So this can't be good. You know, I, so I, I had to have surgery to get my lower left orbital reconstructed. My nose was shattered, so I had to be reconstructed. I had nerve damage. And, you know, that was in 2004. And I really didn't get feeling back in this side of my face that I'm touching for about 10 years later. So... You know, the recovery from that was, it was just being cautious and patient because I had a client that was a, that, that was a, a brain surgeon, and a neuroscientist. He was like, hey, man, here's what you can and can't do. Then I had Dr. Gillette helping me with the different modalities of healing for, you know, from a neurological perspective, from what the damage on this hemisphere of my brain. So doing eye tests, doing eye strengthening exercises, putting things differently, reading things differently to make sure that as I was recovering, I was reprogramming, re-strengthening that lobe of my brain, that area of my brain that had been damaged. So, mm -hmm. you know, it was about nutrition. It was about recovery. It was about hydration. It was about the supplements that I was using. Everything that I, I, that I could do to help myself rehab and, and become better from that incident. And when I started working with the Adaptive Training Foundation and we created the mindset side of our program, I began to journal a lot. I began to write a lot for these guys and for myself as well. And I don't know why, but I was writing about this instance, this instant. And it, then it just came to me. And I mentioned to you earlier that I was in my truck. I was going to drive home. I, I don't know how much I'd had to drink. What would have happened if I would have driven my truck? Mm -hmm. You know, who could I have killed? Who could I have injured? What could I have damaged? I could have killed myself. So, I, I thought that, and as I was typing out on my computer, I just stopped and sat back. I was like, damn, man. <laughs> I really wish I could find the guys that did this and thank them. And thank them for what they, they saved me from. And thank them for what they gave me. Because of that moment, because of that night, I am, what I, I am who I am today. And I'm doing what I'm doing. And I would really like to just say, hey, <laughs> this sounds odd. Thank you. Because you've you've given you've shown me what is possible in in my in my journey in my healing in my recovery of what I can do and how I can now be the conduit for someone else to heal as well. I do appreciate you sharing that, man. I think that's just reflective of power of your mentality. I'm always amazed, man. People that have experienced tragedy at the hands of somebody else and they're able to forgive you know i find that to be the most uh powerful because you know again not from an outside perspective but it's like well yeah man i mean you would be angry you would be resentful you would want revenge yeah. um so i really appreciate you sharing that man especially the fact of 
you know, your response to, to what's happened, man. And, and for them. Yeah, for sure. And we do that here with our, our athletes here as well. There has to be forgiveness. Mm-hmm. You have to forgive in order to heal and move forward. Otherwise you're going to hold it on. It's going to manifest in you somewhere. It's going to manifest in you physically, physiologically, in, and emotionally. So, you know, a lot of our athletes have been on, mo- they've been in motorcycle accidents. Some of them have been hit and runs. And there's a lot of anger that comes along with that. You know, there, there's, and Val, who I just mentioned, whose first husband shot her, <laughs> the second husband's dog ate her foot. You know, you have to forgive these individuals. Doesn't mean you have to like them, but you have to forgive them in order to truly fully heal. And in the forgiveness comes the power because then you recognize that they no longer hold you, that individual, whoever it was, whether it was you know, someone in country that, that shot you, that, that planted the ID that blew you up or that ran you over on your motorcycle. When you can let that go and forgive, then you can lead. You can lead your life. You know, it, it, there's a story that I learned from that. There's a story of two monks that are walking along a path and they come across a river crossing and you know, monks are vowed to celibacy. Not only can they not touch they can't have intercourse or a relationship. They can't physically touch the opposite sex. So they come across this woman that needs help across the lake, the, the river. And the one monk goes, okay, I'm going to help her. I'm butchering the story, but she goes and picks her up and carries her across the lake. They continue walking a couple hours down the road. And the other monk looks at him and is just mad and fuming. He said, I cannot believe you did that. I can't believe you, you touched that woman. You know what we vowed to. You know what we said we cannot do. And he looks at him and goes, I put her down two hours ago. Why are you still holding on? Yeah. So it's that thing. That's right, man. I can't, you're still, you're still carrying her. Yeah. Yeah. Put her I down. Love that story. I shared that one time, man. And I was uh keynote speaking. I, I shared that one and I kind of put the joke in there too. Right. I kind of said, that's why I can never be a monk. Yeah. <laughs> and I remembered, uh, I just remembered it was like uh, a couple people. You could kind of hear them. And it's, oh, that, that's inappropriate. And I was like, man, Buddy, we're so sensitive as a society now that yeah. I think I think comedy becomes so important because it's the way that you broach really difficult subjects like race, gender, uh, the right or need to be offended by everything. Yeah. Um, you know, and we share the same belief. I think it comes to this, man. We talk, I mean, and you, you talk about this, right? The new alpha code. Mm-hmm. Talk to us about that, man. Delve into that. Yeah, it's, it, there's nothing wrong with being an alpha male. We need alpha men. Historically, that is, what the, that, that is what females are attracted to. They're attracted to the protector. They're attracted to the man that they know can handle a situation emotionally, mentally, physically. And that's what we strive to be. So what I teach both men and young boys is it's good to be an alpha. You need to be an alpha in a way that is healthy for you. What does that look like for you? What it looks like for you may not be what it looks like for me, but an alpha male is one of integrity. He's one of honor. He's one of, of understanding his purpose and living that purpose. He knows how to be led. He knows how to be a leader, but he also knows how to be led. We set our ego aside. We understand there is place for ego and pride at some times, but there's also times to set that down. We don't take things personally. Part of what I teach them, we go through the book, The Four Agreements. We learn how to be impeccable with our word. We learn not to take things personally. We always do our best. And, you know, so it's, it's living up to those standards and realizing that, you know, 
you have to be a protector. You have to be ready for an emergency situation. Sometimes violence is going to need to be the answer. You know, if, if I'm walking down the street, you and I are walking down the street and people approach us, uh, someone needs to be able to protect us. So you need to be situationally aware for you, for your family. You need to have emergency preparedness. Do you have a go bag? Is it in your car? Do you know exactly what's in it right now? So if an emergency popped off, you know where to get something without having to think about it. Do you have an emergency action plan for your home? If it catches on fire, if someone breaks in, do you have all of your, your documentation, your medical insurance, your life insurance, all your important papers in a safe box where you can grab it and get out within 30 seconds if your house catches on fire? So it's, it's teaching responsibility. It's teaching ownership. And it's also teaching communication. We have to be able to communicate with each other. Like, Rob, if you and I disagree on something, great. Let's have a conversation about it. We don't have to agree, but we can agree to disagree, be respectful of one another, and then move forward. That's what the new alpha is about. It's about learning how to, and getting back what it is to be a man. It's about finding what you love to do. Who are you outside of your job title? And the reason I started the whole program for men was being in a personal training industry for so long in a very affluent area in Dallas, I know so many men that have everything, air quotes, that you could want. They've got the houses, they've got the cars, they've got the family, but they don't like themselves. You know, they literally like, hey, what do you, what do you like to do, Rich? Uh, I don't know. I, I golf, but I do it with my buddies. Do you love it? Like, who are, who are you outside of your title? Who are you outside of your role? Let's help you find that thing and learn to love who you are and be your best self-advocate instead of your own worst critic. Reframe your language. You stop talking negatively about yourself and, and have an opportunity to enjoy this life. You call it a go bag. I call it a bug out bag, man. We got, we yeah. got two of them. We, yeah. we got two of them. But uh, I love it, man. Um, well, talk to us. I mean, talk to us about masculinity, man. I mean, the, um, you, you, you have a young Alpha Academy. I mean, Alpha is key. You know, somebody yeah. came to you and said, man, maybe you should remove the alpha. You're like, no, the alpha is, is key. So, I mean, talk to us again. Um, just unpack it more, man, like a masculinity. Like, what is it? Yeah, it's, it's funny when I put that out there. I did have a friend call me. He's like, I love the concept. You might want to remove alpha. It could hurt marketing. And I was like, no, man, if that offends you, that's the problem. Matt, you, going back to what I said before, and I had this thought one day randomly, and I asked my girlfriend about it, and I asked a couple other ladies about it. I said, hey, let me ask you this question. Actually, I recorded a podcast with my girlfriend on this topic of masculinity. Why girls always go for the bad boys, the bad, you know, like I always go for the asshole. You hear that so often. Can't tell you the amount of female friends that I have over my life that have said that. Here's the reason why that is attractive to you because you know that will protect you. You know that man is going to have your back and have you covered. That is what is unconsciously programmed in us. Every animal species on this planet does that. They go for the masculine alpha dominant male for survival and for procreation and, and of, of you. So we can carry on that genetic, that gene. So I feel like being masculine has been villainized and demonized because people see, they don't see masculine men doing these things. What they see is scared young boys in adult bodies. They see scared young boys that don't know how to get out aggression in a healthy way. They weren't taught how to 
be emotional. They weren't taught that it's okay to cry. They weren't taught that it's okay to talk about your feelings. So what do they do? They become that toxic man. There's nothing masculine about it. That is not masculine. That is just mm-hmm. simply a human being toxic and being broken. Moreover, it's not even being toxic. They're toxic because they're broken. So having a conversation, trying to understand that person and saying, hey, I mean, is there, is there something we need to get out? And because I know that when someone lashes out at me, it's not me, it's them. It's something that they're dealing with, something that they're triggered with, that they weren't emotionally ready to deal with. They weren't taught the way to handle that thing. So, you know, that is part of masculinity is being vulnerable. You know, Brene Brown talks so much about it. She does a beautiful job. And in one of the things I love with what she says is you know, and you're, you're never going to be more powerful as when you're being vulnerable. So in masculinity, I've, been able to, I've, got, to be, I've got to be able to open up my chest and go, here's all my stuff. Here are my guts. Here's my heart, my soul, my fears, my concerns, my worries. I, I need help. Let's work with it. That, that's being masculine. That's what masculine is. Masculine is also being a protector, stepping up when someone needs to be handled. You know, you know people are afraid of that. People are afraid of the physical. Physical things happen. You know, boys are boys. We're going we're gonna to rough and tumble. We're going to wrestle. We're going to get in fights. It's what you do after that. That's what's important. You know, it's, it's not demonizing a kid and making him feel so terrible because he has testosterone. <laughs> that's what we were designed to. It's about having and finding healthy ways to get those things out. So with the young men that I work with, it's going through the same tenets. It's, hey, what do you like to do? What are your core values? I don't know. What, what's a core value? Oh, let me teach you what a core value is. It's an action that you're going to do. It's not a thing. It's something that you are going to live up to. Let's teach you about integrity. Let's teach you about courtesy. Let's teach you about honor and respect. And when you do that, then you step into a masculine. When you start to, when your testosterone starts to come in, when you're getting 13, 14, 15 years old, then you have these, you're already equipped with the mindset and the knowledge of, oh, I have these tenets. I have the integrity. I know, I understand what purpose is. So I'm going to step into being a protector. I'm going to step into being responsible with this. I'm going to learn how to work with these emotions. I'm going to learn how to have a conversation with a friend, a parent, a teacher about these emotions. That's what being masculine is. It's not about just being a tough guy. It is, but there's so much more than that. Mm -hmm. I mean, with your young Alpha Academy that you have, man, walk us through a scenario that you do with these boys to help shape and and define them. Yeah, so actually, (laughs) this coming weekend, I'm doing my very first iteration of the Young Alpha Academy. And so a lot of what it is, it's really about communication. Mm-hmm. It's not about the physicality. It's about letting them get out and do fun stuff, but it's about helping them understand because I have some young boys, their parents are saying, look, he's, he's a leader. He needs some humility. And some other parents saying he's good. He's a little bit shy. So he needs to break out of his shell. So having them get together in teams and having them each take turns being a leader take turns communicating, take turns asking questions, take turns problem solving with whatever the evolution that I'm having them do is. But it's done in a way that's fun, that there's not a lot of pressure on it. And they learn to just have a conversation. 
because at that age, there's also embarrassment. There's also you know a lot of the making fun of for not being not being good enough, not doing this thing, not doing that thing. So a lot of what the young alpha program is, it's really just helping them think and helping them develop the character skills that they need in order to be a successful adult man, leader, protector, follower. So, you know, one example was as there, there, there will be sectioned off into teams of three to four. And obviously there's going to be a leader in that pack. Well, at some point we're going to silence that leader. He's not going to be able to say a word. He's not going to be able to offer an opinion. He might actually be taken out or have to be physically carried through an evolution to learn how to be still and let the other one step up. And again, it's done in a very supportive way where when they're finished with that, Hey, Jimmy, tell me what went well, guys, tell me what Jimmy did great at. Okay, cool. Also, Jimmy, you did awesome. Let's think about some ways we could do it. We could, we can improve on that. We can add on that, not, but how you do it better. Let's get excited about how we can make it even better next time. And they go, Oh, Jimmy, you did this. How about if you added this to it next time? And so it, it's, it's affirming in ways to learn. So those okay. are just some of the examples. Yeah, absolutely, man. Um, coach, what, um, what question should I be asking that, that I just haven't asked yet? Hmm. I feel like you've, you've, you've touched them all. Um, you know, I'd say the biggest thing, it's not really a question, but I'll, I'll, what I teach both men and young boys, and I mentioned, I touched on this earlier, is the concept of being your best self-advocate. Because especially as men, we almost wear it as a badge of honor of, you know, I'm, I'm my own worst critic. I'm hardest on myself. You know, I got it. Ah, that whole thing. Stop. And what I tell people is, how long would you be friends with someone that talked to you the way that you talk to yourself? Right. And every time I say that in front of a group or whoever, they all go, oh, because you know I'm right. You know how bad you talk to yourself. So it's about reversing your language. Be your best self-advocate. Recognize all those things that you say to yourself. When I ask you a question, is your first thought, I can't, I don't want to, I shouldn't, or do you think in possibility? Yeah, sounds great. Here's how, I'm going to get, here's how I'm going to do that. Here's how I'm going to get it done. When you recognize that you make a mistake, what do you say to yourself? Because once you start to beat yourself up, then that's going to carry on to the next person. That's that toxic person that we talked about earlier. So learn to love yourself, learn to give yourself grace. And when you do that, you're going to give other people grace as well. Then you're going to start to see life as opportunity, not as things that you have to do. Love it, coach. Hey, where do you want people to, um, you know, I put, I'll put the links in there, but where do you want people to learn more about you and, and follow you and, you know, get inspired, man? Yeah, absolutely. So my website, hunt-prosper.com, you can get more information about, about both the men's and youth leadership academies there. You can follow me on Instagram. It is at hunt underscore prosper. I'm on Facebook, just my full name, Morris Brosette. I have a Facebook page as well, hunt and prosper or hunt dash prosper. So you can follow me there, but primarily I'm on, uh, on Instagram and my website. So that's where. Love it, coach. Thanks so much for joining us, buddy. Yeah. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the mental toughness podcast. If you like what you heard today, please be sure to subscribe to our podcast. 
You can also check us out on Twitter at Dr. Rob Bell or visit our website at drrobbell.com. <laughs>